Oi. This episode of The Chatter After is about the Amazon series, The Boys, a show that features not safe for work content, and the podcast will feature conversations about exploding heads, soup orgies, guts, dicks, and the infamous herogasm. Viewer's discretion is advised. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, and welcome to the pod where we chat, argue, and wax poetic about the movies and shows that we love, hate, or that are simply worth talking about. All movies have something to say, and we enjoy trying to analyze the hell out of them and what the fuck they're trying to capture. Welcome to The Shatter After. I am Brandon Alvarado, the Scarlet fan here, and I'm very excited for this explicit, crazy, gory, and penis-heavy? episode of the shatter after because we're talking about the one the only the amazing show show runs by eric Crickby and championed by dennis quaid's son and <laughs> i forgot his name and carl orban we're talking about the boys from amazon prime and i'm not the only one talking about it of course i am joined by the amazing mike thomas the boys are back in town and the great Adam. What's up, bro? How's it going? Glad I'm very excited. I'm very excited. So if, the, if, if they take the video down, I mean, I started from the get-go. I cursed already. It's happened. Oi. <laughs> Oi. <laughs> Oi. Oi. Um, so we're talking about the boys, guys. Um, this uh, inspired by the great and depraved book by garth ennis and Derek roberts i remember i forgot the name of the artist but it's great art this book which came out back in the 2006 2008 um it inspired the minds of eric Crickpy. they're finally putting an amazon prime three seasons have gone come and gone and this shows continues to captivate our imagination break our spirits break our minds but also communicate so many great ideas that are not really explored in this way when it comes to superheroes, superpowers, superpower society, and humanity as a whole. And there's so much to talk about in the show. We're gonna do a. We're gonna talk about this. We're gonna focus mainly our attention on season three, but we are gonna talk about the show as a whole. So if you have not seen the show The Boys on Amazon Prime, you should not be here. If you've read the books but haven't seen the show, as someone that's read, written read some of the books. You may not want to be here either because the show is very loose with the content of the book, but it carries the essence of what the boys have to offer. And as usual in the Shatter After, we're going to go around the table, get original impressions, first interaction with the boys, whether it was the book or the show. And Adam, I figure we'll start with you. You're joining us again. Glad, glad that you can join us. Where did you first hear of the boys? Was it the show? Was it the books? What is your relationship? What was that first impression? You're actually going to laugh at my first, where I first heard about the boys. It was from Carl's Jr., man. <laughs> I saw, Jr. I saw okay. an ad. I, yeah, so you know how like they do promotions. They were doing a promotion with the boys, and I was super curious as to what that was. And that led me into finding out what it was, and that started my interest in it, and I've been hooked ever since. I 
I feel so bad for Carl's Jr. and Hardy's because they probably had no idea what the show was about before they decided to sponsor it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's going on. Who's Carl Jr. and Hardy's? It's uh, a restaurant. Uh, so it's like a, a burger oh my God. joint. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like They had no oh, idea when they backed Hardee's. the show. Oh, my God. Yeah. They, it's they a family restaurant. So, they must have been super blindsided. But, yeah, that's where I found out about it. <laughs> nice. That's amazing. And that was back when it was coming come out originally? Yeah, that was like when it first premiered. And I kept on seeing the ad over and over. And I was like, man, like, they must really want me to watch The Boys. And then I started seeing commercials for it. And it, I started getting, like, super interested. And then that's it. But, yeah, I found out about The Boys through Carl's Jr. That is a very weird way to get introduced, too. Wow. That is so funny. That is, that's amazing. <laughs> so when you watch the show... Um, what drew you to it? What 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 made it interesting for you? Yeah, so it it's basically if you dropped superheroes into like our world, right? Or it, in in reality, it's more if you made superheroes if they were real, like in a realistic setting, right? They would probably be corrupted and more loose. And it, it's in it was a different take than what. I was used to seeing, which is like, you know, superheroes, good, Batman, credit card, all that other stuff, you know, like a very cheesy. Never leave the cave without it. Yep, never leave the cave without it. And, and so it's, when I started kind of getting into it, I was like, wow, this is different, you know? And yeah. that made me, I was like, I could totally see that, that if I was in this, you know, setting, I probably hate superheroes too. And so it's interesting. Yeah. That that drew my interest definitely. Awesome, Mike. Where did where did you meet the boys? Where did I meet the boys? Well, you know, like probably most people, Amazon. It, I have a Fire TV, and so of course, season one dropped. It's just plastered on every single right. page and every right. single square. It's right. like watch the boys, and I'm like, okay, I like superheroes. I'll give this a shot, and I'm gonna be real. Episode one. A-Train just blasts through Robin. I turned it off right then and there. Didn't come back to it until two weeks ago where I binged the entire show. Because I'm just like, I I can't do this. I don't know what the heck this show's about. And it lost me right then and there. So, yeah, my, my experience with the boys is very different, I think, for most people. Because while you guys are watching it season by season, waiting a year or two in between seasons, I just went straight through all of them. Boom, boom, boom. By the time I finished binging, I think I was the day of the finale or like oh, a wow. day or two before the finale. And I got through it. And so it is a crazy experience seeing it all unfold, especially like in a binge the first time, because while there's suspense, I was just able to get all the questions immediately answered. And so it's just a wild ride, man. It takes the superhero genre and flips it on its head. I know that's a cliche thing to say, but it really just takes everything you think you know and say, yeah, what if what if we actually did see Thanos get exploded like Ant-Man crawling up his butt? They they straight up answer that question. We see it happen in real time. Yes. And I hate <laughs> and love the boys for that all the yeah. same. Yeah. I, 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 before I go to my take, I, I really love the idea that we have the Carl Jr.'s introduction. <laughs> top, we have the top ten introductions of all time. Yeah, we have the Amazon introduction where where you were introduced to it, but you were immediately turned off. 
And yeah. and I'm assuming the hype was what brought you back after because if you watch the first episode or at least the beginning of it when it came out, it means that you you had the opportunity of watching it three four years ago and you just didn't watch it. Yeah, what ended up happening is that Landon Bell, who's been on the show multiple times, yeah, kept every time he would watch an episode, he'd be like, "Mike, you gotta watch the boys." And I'm like, "the the problem." I think the problem was his pitch was like, "It's disturbing." but I can't stop watching it. And it's yes. like, yeah, well, I saw it was disturbing, but I could stop watching it. This is not convincing me to go. Exactly. Back. And the funny <laughs> but, thing is, would you, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, but but like you said, the, the hype and everything builds and builds and builds, especially by the time we get to season three, I'm not watching, there was not much to watch anyway. Like Stranger Things came and went. So it's like, okay, I might as well on vacation, get through the boys and finally at least get through season one, see where I'm at. And by the time I get through season one, I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm sticking with this now because I'm just, yep. they, they hooked me eventually. Right. But I, I like I like how you had that. It wasn't an instantaneous hook. I, yeah. I like how it was, it took time. Um, to me, I, I knew it was coming. I knew the boys was going to be a thing. Um, so I think I started reading the books a little bit. And I kind of had a good, interesting feel of what it was supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes me, to read it makes me very uneasy. A lot of things, like the book is a lot more crude, a lot more depraved, a lot more gory. Like it, it goes, it, it, like it thrives on how much depravity it allows itself to have. Like it's, it's one of those books where that's the main catch, right? <laughs> So yeah, it kind of I, feels like it's for shock value some of the time it's in the book. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. And and in the book, it is pure shock value, but there is story there, which is great, which is why one of the most refreshing things that I got by watching the show on Amazon when it came out, especially now, seeing going into season three, finishing it, um, and seeing how these characters have grown and developed and how their relationships have changed, uh, how the relationships have grown, some of them broken, um, and where every character is in a very, very different place from where they were in the beginning. Like, um, I love the fact that what the TV show has done so great that I would even say it rivals the cinematic universe of Marvel is that they have found, Eric Kripke has found a way to grab the essence of what the boys is of what um, the idea behind and the philosophy and the questions that it wants to tackle um, and translate it to the show, but then run with it in its own direction. Because there's so many things that the show does that are not in the book anywhere. There's so many different directions that he takes the, the characters, um, but it's all for the sake of the different arguments that he wants to make because it's really... I think more than anything, it's it's how he finds how he has found a way to disgust us, disturb us, shock us, but also communicate a very clear message of what he wants us to question. You know, yeah, like like to be for a show that has so many fucked up scenes and fucked up ideas or moments, it does pose very real questions. And, and I love it for it because it's a smart show. It's it's not just a show for the sake of being a show. It, it has a lot to say. 
and and I think in 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 our culture that's currently going through superhero overdrive, because the train that MCU what started as a single MCU train now it's a whole freaking train station, <laughs> because yes. because new people. Yeah. Because now it's invading multiple mediums. It's not just movies. Now it's TV shows. The comics are coming in line with every like, and everybody wants to get in that train. Right. I love Mighty how, Thor just joined Marvel's The Avengers. So even exactly. video games, yep. everything's <laughs> right. a multiverse now. Everything's and a, a multiverse. cinematic and a cinematic universe. Right. I like how the boys is able to have its own a little island. You know, it's yes. it's like it's like it's like if the MCU is Diagon Alley, like like the boys is a nocturne alley. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right on the side of it, but it's very distinct and very dark, but very interesting. And I, I love the show for it. So um, I don't know. We have a lot to talk about, um, a lot to discuss. Um, I figured the easiest way would be to pose. Let's I think we I think because of the type of show that it is instead of just covering storylines or ideas it might be a good thing just to talk about the characters because the characters carry this show i mean this is one of those shows that without the characters it wouldn't be interesting without the actors providing such high-end high grade performances we wouldn't be enjoying this show because what was the name what is dennis quaid's son's name jack quaid is it jack quaid yes Okay. Jack Quaid. Yep. Um, Huey, without, right? Yeah, Huey. Yeah. Without yeah, Jack, Jack Quaid. Quaid, without the guy from District B Nine that plays Frenchie. Um, if you guys haven't seen that awesome Parker movie, it's so great. Um, Ooh, without Monsieur, <laughs> Monsieur Chocolater. Um, that is so bad. Without without Carl Urban's butcher. I mean, there's so much. Oh heck yeah. Yeah, these characters are great. Um. Do you guys have a favorite character? How about I start? We start with that. I know it's a, it's a bad question. Um, Mike, do you have a favorite character? Favorite character. This is going to be crazy, but it, it might be Homelander. <laughs> because oh, yes. it, Anthony Starr is just so good in that yeah. role. And he's yeah. so terrifying and unhinged. And so it's like, yeah. I hate, don't get me wrong. I hate everything about Homelander. Making that clear. Point. Right. right, but the performance and the writing of that character is so great. Also, uh, Mother's Milk or MM is fantastic as well. Love, <laughs> nice. love yep. the yeah. actor. Um, yeah. Carl Urban is also great as, as Billy Butcher, but he's really playing like that unlikable a hole. <laughs> and so, <laughs> it, it's it's especially again after season three, it's really hard to root for for Butcher at this point. Yep. In my oh yeah, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, like as far as my favorite characters, those three, and you know, Aaron Moriarty is just really great as Starlight, like that one beacon of hope in Hero Society. Yep, and I think she portrays that really well. So, mm-hmm. I guess in short, all of them are my favorite characters, <laughs> except for the Deep. You can go F and Oculus. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> He's done it, and he'll do it again. Um, <laughs> he has done it. When he brings it in bed with his wife. No. Oh my god. Oh jeez. So yes, that, that was on your level. The deep weird. likes to fuck sea <laughs> life. That's his thing. Um, it's the I mean, it's that scene I mean, he was from Peacemaker yeah. come to life. It's 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 taking the fu- the the how they make fun of Aquaman to a new level of intensity. 
Exactly. So, Adam, are you on the same vein as Mike in terms of the characters that you just, they all just have, they're just all strong. You can't really pick one or do you have a favorite character? Um, I have a favorite. My favorite is Kimiko. I actually, for someone who's not able to speak, she portrays a lot of emotion. You know, like I feel like you, you can't help but root for that character, you know? She's sacrificed. I would say she's kind of like the heart of the boys in a lot of ways, yep. you know. And I have to agree that Anthony Starr makes it so hard to. I, I mean, I hate Homelander, but like I hate that I also like him in a way. And it's just like, oh yeah. my god, like he's such. He does such a good job to yeah. make me dislike Homelander so much that I'm like, man, I can't help but like think like this actor is awesome that he makes me like have like new levels of hatred for Homelander each time he shows up on screen. It's intense. Yes. Yeah. Cool. I- I'm right with you. Like uh, Kimiko is a terrific character. Like Karen Fukuhara. For her yeah. to only have like 10 lines and most, and all of them are either flashback or dream sequence throughout the entire run of the show yeah. is amazing. How much emotion you get from that character. Oh, and the funny thing is, that's not real sign language. Yeah, that's, that's just something. Thing. That's something she came up with to to make. Bro, Karen Fukuhara is Fukuhara is just at another level. Yeah. She's just great. She's been she's great from the moment we see her to then. That's one of the that's one of the surprises. Like one, I, I'm gonna go the, use use Kimiko's character as a backdoor to a lot of the changes that Eric Rickley did um, to the show because. In the books, the boys are together 100% from the beginning. The only new addition is Huey. So, 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 the, so the woman, how he calls him, which is Kimiko, um, has been there from the beginning. But the idea that we find her and the idea that we see the birth of that relationship between Frenchie and Kimiko. And the fact that I love that each member of the core group of boys has a stake in the matter. Mm-hmm. Which is very hard to do, because one of the things that we see, especially in ensemble films, especially the MCU doing everything with Avengers or whatever, like one of the things that makes the first Avengers movie so great is that every single core member has a stake in what's going on in the movie. Right. You know what I mean? They all have a strong storyline point that drives them. And like as you as the movies get bigger and the and the group gets bigger, it kind of becomes more as m- all of, it kind of all becomes about the group goal as opposed to each of the core members having a storyline that's being thorough. I like the fact how this show finds a way that even if it's in short supply or in simple things here and there, and every single season, every single core character has a very distinct storyline. Yeah. Whether it's interacting with each other or whether it's um, them doing something about themselves, they all have enough screen time to to be involved as opposed to going by the end of the season. And we're like, Oh, is Frenchie still a character? You know what I mean? Like so many shows up to this point would have lost steam, but they find ways to keep every single character interesting. And also how they mix and match the characters. Like I was not expecting Busher and Maeve. That was something. I mean, of course, when you see the scene, you know, it's going to happen, but I was not expecting that season three. 
<laughs> and we even got that with MM and um, Starlight, right? Where it's like, that's an unexpected team up. Right. At a yeah, certain right. point in that season, it's like, okay, sure. That makes sense. Right. Which which yeah. takes, go ahead. No, I'm, I was just like piggybacking off your point of, it's really cool how they're able to have all these characters and then mix and match them, put them in different scenarios with different people and still have an interesting story. Because a lot of times, like mm-hmm. the show Friends, right? Chandler and Phoebe never interact really at all ever they never had a storyline together throughout 10 years of that show because there was a specific way that it was structured whereas the boys can just pull in and out all of these different characters and it just makes it much more fleshed out and kind of believable that way that's true you can kind of mix and match them in any sort and they would still feel like they go together Mm -hmm. yep you could you could have kimiko and starlight team up and it would still make sense like that moment that they interact and they get together to get the compound V for Kimiko. It makes perfect right. sense because you can see why Kimiko's asking for it. And and the whole idea of choice and I mean, I don't want I'm not I am not a woman and I'm not trying to say I am, but the whole idea that Kimiko is taking control of her body, making a decision and mm-hmm. pushing to to do what she wants. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like and the idea that that is a a moment that is carried over by another female and how it's and how French she has to come to terms to accept that Kimiko is making a choice. And that means right. so much to her. Like there's so many story undertones and so many ideas throughout and topics that he talks about. But I want to mm-hmm. talk about something that I think it's the key that makes all these relationships work. And one of the theses, especially in season three, because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, season three is has one of the things that made it shine so much is because is the one where we got all the weird pairings, right? We got um, yeah. MM and Starlight, Huey and Butcher just on their own with Soldier Boy, um, Deep trying to figure out what the hell to do, and his wife or whatever. Um, Homelines are <laughs> noir. Um, yeah. Frenchie and Kimiko just by themselves. Like right. you have a lot of a lot of that. Maeve and Starlight literally working together for the first time, kind of. Star Maeve and 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 Butcher. Mm-hmm. It's that a, one of the main things is how the idea of belief and 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 sharing a same goal. That's actually what. That's one of the main things or, or the idea of what I believe is right mm-hmm. and how people fight for what they believe is right. Because when you think about it, each individual uh, team that we see or pairing have the same wants. And the mm-hmm. idea that your want is going to define how far you're willing to go. So it's the idea of having wants and the idea of what that wants cost. And, and that's re- that's literally what you explore throughout all the characters because you have the idea of Starlight wanting to stop Homelander, but not at the sake, not at, not by sacrificing any lives. Butcher wants to stop Homelander, no matter the cost. Je- mm-hmm. uh, Huey wants to stop Homelander, kind of no matter the cost, but also to save Starlight. MM just wants to kill Soldier Boy, but he doesn't want to become a monster like Butcher. It's like Everybody like coming together by what they want. And then when you get to the very end, the idea that Homelander and Butcher join forces to stop Soldier Boy because they both care about Ryan in their own way. So how the way 
those those center those synergy moments occur are just are just great and i love how it carries this the show to and fro um in all the different pairings and i and i don't know it's just so strong <laughs> um now do you, about homelander um i was talking to my friend jeremy um and and one of the things that he was talking about that's very interesting is that a lot of people in the in twitter have a different opinion of homelander right I mean, they all hate him, but they all have a different opinion. And one of the most simplistic opinions that a lot of people have is that he's just evil Superman. I I don't agree with that thought, but I wanted to hear what you guys thought. Do you see Homelander as another evil Superman type, or is he something more? Hmm. I, I'll go first, if you don't mind, Mike. Um, so what I'm going to say is kind of controversial. He is a... Um, if you made a modern poli uh, American political figure into Superman, you get Homelander. Because he does yes. a lot of, I don't know if you've noticed, he does a lot of pol like political maneuvering. <laughs> uh, yes. I guess is the right word. He says yes. like they are in the shadows. They, he uses they. He does a lot of like specific i'm not going to reference who i'm talking about but a certain political <laughs> figure does yes. certain things like that and yes. he um it's interesting how there's a lot of parallels there that i yeah. started noticing about with homelander he yes he is in a sense evil superman but we've kind of seen what evil superman is right if you've seen um you know played in justice games or or seen other things like that evil superman is more like I am going to enforce my will no matter the cost, right? And it's Homelander is more of like a bully, <laughs> a very manipulative and calculating bully, right? And he's I like that um, too. Yeah, and so it's it's not really evil Superman because evil Superman I guess wouldn't stoop himself that low <laughs> is more of the right word versus this homelanders like he will do whatever it takes to get what he wants right and is he's he will threaten whoever he needs to threaten he will break friendships that need to be broken he will do whatever it takes no matter how grave the circumstances are not because of the greater good but because that's what he wants Nice. So, yeah. Mike, yeah, what you got? Well, you know, I agree with, with Adam's point there, is that Homelander, I think the problem is people calling him evil Superman is mainly his power base, right? He flies, mm -hmm. has super strength, has laser, laser vision, super you hearing. can't kill him, super hearing. He's, right. he's got the Superman starter pack, right? <laughs> and so you, you, you really look at his character, though, he resembles nothing like Kal-El or Clark Kent, you know? Correct at all so it's very surface level but th the point is he represents at least to the general public in their eyes he represented everything superman would represent um he was that symbol of hope that that protection that shield from evil and then it starts to fall apart the facade is starting to crumble away once butcher and the boys start kind of like picking at it and just and going after Vought. so like in action, he's not just evil Superman, but he represents everything Superman should stand for. And then you have the realization that he's not that at all. And that's the real big like twist there. 
And honestly, like the references to Superman are just hidden throughout the character. Like if you look at the Dawn of the Seven logo, it's very clearly inspired by the Man of Steel poster or the right. entire Snyder Cut aesthetic Justice thing League. going on in the Justice yep. League with that entire gag. So that's where I feel like a lot of people are pulling the Superman thing. But character wise, he and Clark Kent aren't anything alike in origin or action or personality. Nice. So I, what I like about the, the idea of heroes in general, not just Homelander, and, and the take of, on heroes that the boys does, and, and I think this is very also very true to the books, is that the one thing that we see that we enjoy, right, about Marvel Comics or DC Comics or most heroes that we know of that we enjoy, there are, of course, there are exceptions, but one of the things that we most enjoy about our heroes, especially in books, is that they are they rise above, um, but they are born out of their own circumstances, right? Um, Spider Man was been um, Peter Parker was bit by spider. Um, Bruce Wayne lost his parents and just focuses on this goal. Um, Kal El lands on Smallville, like it's and they and they're just they're just. They are born out of that circumstance and they grow up to be these heroes by their choice, right? Mm -hmm. The whole thing that the boys explores that I enjoy, and this goes for all heroes and is very dramatically presented by Homelander, is the idea is what if society had the ability to create their own heroes? And literally mm -hmm. Homelander is the epitome of society creating their own hero. Because it symbolizes them, it it, it 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 promotes what they believe in, and the idea that society is so broken that these are the heroes that it can produce. Because to think about it, um, corporate bot the bot bot corporation right is the epitome of capitalism, and they're the ones that produce all the superheroes in America. These are the superheroes that our society creates because that is, these are the values that we promote. And the idea that that's the through line that pushes these characters, which is why at the end of season three, which I find so fascinating, when Homelander literally kills a civilian that throws a bottle at his son and suddenly people are cheering him on, it's like, holy crap. And he's, this is, this is why. This is the hero that we've created. And we're going to celebrate him because deep down, he is, the, he is the pure manifestation of our darkest and deepest desires for power, for fame, for greed, and, and, and our imposing nature against other nations and all the stuff like that. So I like, I like that through line of that idea, which is why it makes – I love the idea of through that lens how the show explores – what are real heroes? What do he real heroes look like? And and when you think about it, the only real hero that we've ever met is Starlight because she's the only one that does not think of herself. She's the only one that's willing to give herself for the cause. The real one that actually has suffered personally for her actions to do the right thing. You know what I mean? Like, Nobody, everybody else has suffered, like, but nobody has, nobody has really suffered in terms of, in terms of, um, 
apart from personal loss, for example, that someone lost, like you have that you have Huey that lost Robin, you have Busher that lost Becca. These are things that were done to them, or that were, or they were results of what happened, right? But only Starlight has suffered personally because of her actions to try and do what's right. Does that make sense? So, so I, yeah. I like the argument of 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 what are were real heroes. And what are the heroes that our society can create? And they all suck. <laughs> like, right. like if we were to create heroes based on the values that society as a whole um, holds, right? Um, mm-hmm. It looks pretty horrifying, which is why Homelander is so fascinating. Because when you think about it, Homelander is, is, is that. Because, he yes, was he born out of a test tube? Yes. But when you think about it, most most kids nowadays if they're not raised by family what do, what do we see nowadays whenever we see a kid with their parents that the parents is paying attention they're stuck with the phone just being just receiving information you know what i mean something else is creating their values in their brains and like homelander is just a result of that and that's why he's just a big baby <laughs> but yeah a big man child for sure right right <laughs> And I love how the boys explores that heads on with every single hero. Every single hero is just a, a depraved person, right. and and how everybody looking to do um, what they want, how they want, um, is how we get to those tragedies that we see. And but but yeah, that's that's my take on home because that's that's like the in a nutshell what I keep seeing, especially in the books, is very the book is a lot more clearer with this. But the mm-hmm. show has gotten to that point where, especially with the whole thing with Soldier Boy and the idea that he was a hero, but when you find out his story, he's just a guy that just got his own way because he wanted to be accepted by his father because right. he was just destroyed, which takes you back to the idea that that's the hero. Those are the heroes that we can create, which makes you think society's fucked. <laughs> well, I, I like how they show that basically the more power you have, the more corrupted you become. And it's and we see that with Huey and Butcher that, yep. Like, Huey is kind of, uh, you know, well, first like with Butcher, he's kind of turning into Homelander, you know, like he's like the uh, little by little, you know, he's little, and Huey kind of started turning into A Train, you know, which is interesting. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. True. Like That's Huey, a good point. he's that is so he true. Like having so an addiction. True. Just like A Train was like constantly needing a fix to, like be yep. more of a hero. Huey became the same thing, which is interesting because Huey hates A Train and Ho- Butcher hates Homelander. You know, yeah, and they're so marrying they're, each other, and yep. they're starting to kind of. I, did, like I didn't think about that. That is so true. Yeah, and I uh, with Homelander, it's it's an interesting because like yeah, like we we kind of got the impression that he is the way that he is because he was like neglected, right? But then we kind of go into the when we find out his connection with soldier boy that soldier boy was his father then you're like huh maybe it's not that he was just like you know he was growing a test tube and he had not not that affection maybe he is the way that he is because soldier boy he has that genetics right of soldier boy and he's like literally like so like he tells um homelander tells soldier boy like i am you and he's like i know <laughs> and that's why Soldier Boy like hates it because he's like he literally turned out to be 
Soldier Boy, even though they had different like environments that they were raised in, right? And it's right. kind of like the show plays a lot with that the power itself is what like corrupts you, right? I mean, yeah. um, and unless you choose to like use it for good, right? Which is what like Kimiko comes to is like if the power itself is not evil, it's that the way that you tend to use it can make you evil, right? It, ma it makes it so much easier to become evil. Uh, and then yes. like yes. how Starlight chooses to walk away from like the fame and the, so it talks to like, it's really interesting. I don't know if you guys caught on this, that Kimiko and Huey have like similar paths that they're walking in, in season three. Like Huey is discovering the, the, I guess the joys and the intensity of, of becoming a hero. And Kimiko is hating the hero the hero walk right and then at the end she chooses to go back to to being powered up and Huey chooses to walk away from it it's an interesting parallel it's interesting that you mentioned that parallel because it also makes me yeah. think that also it, it also has i think what makes their journey so similar is because it is kind of a journey of self-discovery yeah. like like Kimiko is a, but there is both a journey of acceptance. There's a mm -hmm. lot of, there's a lot like acceptance and discovery is a big topic of season three as well, because right. you can see that because of course the first time that we find out what happens with Lenny, we get deeper into Butcher, we get deeper into Frenchie's backstory, we get deeper into MM's backstory. Um, we don't see Annie's because we saw Annie's in season one, um, but we get a lot of background on a lot of characters. Um, and um, but yeah, I, I, I like that the idea. What you mentioned about the parallels and their stories and and how they come to grips with what they decide to do, and I love how the idea of them everybody has made their choice, being like the other big theme, right? Because like in the past, because the boys were always together, it was all about the group, right? But this is like the yeah. first season where because everybody's kind of spread out. Um, it's all being it's all how those choices define them and the they pull the stranger things this season yes yes yeah separate them um, all yes and they play journey in the background um <laughs> so but like you like you were saying um the whole thing with butcher and um the whole thing about powers and stuff like that to quote the great um butcher with great power comes the absolute certainty that you turn into a right boy um, <laughs> yeah. which, which is not wrong. <laughs> he's not wrong, but I love how the, the, the idea of choice is also influenced there. And I love that. I, I like the fact, Adam, that you brought that into play because on one side, it is true that power corrupts, but power corrupts those that are corruptible or already corrupt. Like, yes. because there is a way of being, because when you go to Annie, she is the complete opposite. Because she wanted to be a hero, power doesn't corrupt her. And, and, and then the idea of, of Huey becoming corrupt is because he's always felt powerless. He's always felt small. So when he gets a, a little bit of power, it just destroys him. And then, But then the idea of power and what power means to everybody is different. Because when you think about it, Homelander is, has always been all-powerful. But power doesn't mean anything to him if he's not accepted. Yeah. Right. And I, I think it came back to what you were saying earlier and just a second ago is, is the idea of choice and freedom, right? right? Homelander 
was always meant to be a hero. He was never going to be able to walk down any other path. And so he was made into that, whether he wanted to or not. It literally caused like a God complex. And so he's like, I have to be the symbol of peace, right? Essentially is his whole, his whole shtick. And so I think that's why you have the biggest difference between that and soldier boy, where soldier boy is sure of himself. He's confident. He doesn't care what people think about him. Everything that Homelander is not. Right. And so I think that's why Soldier Boy says he's a disappointment because he's a pussy. All, yeah, all of the qualities <laughs> Soldier Boy perceives to be strong and good in himself, which at times are the worst parts of him. But, but what he perceives to be what true strength is, is the exact thing Homelander lacks. Because Homelander didn't gain any confidence in his abilities until the end of the season where he kills the protester but then he felt the validation of the crowd around him. And so he's like, oh, wait, I can be myself for once. I can be the right. psychopath that I've always been instead of this facade. Yep. Oof. Yep. And it's the idea of him realizing that, oh, I can be this person and still be loved. Which it's, yep. it's, it's, and it's crazy how you kind of hate. I hate Todd, that... by the way. <laughs> what? I hate oh, Todd so much. Oh, Todd's a okay. bitch. Um, <laughs> All um, these hate time. Yes. But I, I the idea that you kind of love the idea that that character made the realization, but you but then you find out, oh wait, it's Homelander, so I still gotta hate him. <laughs> yeah. Because because you kind of like the growth of it. Um it's one of those things where like in, in most of these superhero stories, it's like be yourself. All you have to do is be yourself and believe in yourself. And it's like that's the exact thing we don't want Homelander to do it's right like, now. And then he kills a processor. <laughs> like or yeah, she yeah. or she go gets the or she gets the dark hold. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that exactly. happened. Um can we talk about the fact that The Boys is is has is one of those shows because I think this is a big deal. How many shows have we seen that season through season every single core character grows exponentially and it's clear growth you know what i mean like it's i think that's a very rare quality not only are each season perfectly shaped with the right amount of episodes it's not too many episodes it's not too little of episodes but every single character changes dramatically and grows dramatically season through season Am I the only one that's captured that? Because, like, I always talk about a lot of people. If you were to ask me what are the best superhero TV shows I've ever seen, I'm always going to talk about there's like two, three seasons of Arrow that are great. I'm always going to talk about The Flash season one. And I'm always going to talk about Daredevil season three. A lot of people die on the hill that season one is the best. To me, season three of Daredevil is the best superhero TV has that has ever existed. For me, it managed to not have any filler, whereas season one had some episodes where it's like we can cut that out. So I and agree. And, <laughs> and and um and the story is just so personal, and this and it's a constant between Kingpin and Daredevil is just great. And then, but the boys, like Huey, is not the same Huey from the beginning to the end of season one. He's not the same Huey from the beginning of season two to the end of season two. Like the growth is so clear and so powerful and and the fact that every single character grows and starts starts in a place and ends in a different place 
and and I don't know. I, I I find it inspiring because how many shows lose their way or the characters lose their way? I like how well planned the show is, how direct it is, how it hits all the right notes. Um, do you guys have a show that you would that you that this makes you like? Am I wrong to say that this is one of the best shows ever written? Adam, you want to go? Uh, sure. Um, so I I have to agree. Yeah, the pay, it's one of those shows that I don't find myself wanting to fast forward through. There's some shows that are really good, but my God, like the filler in between is just like I can't take it. I have to fast forward through this. You know, you got yeah. you're like that scene from Spaceballs where he's like, prepare to fast forward. You know, like it's just like <laughs> I can't can't take it anymore. I need to Home fast the forward. The <laughs> exactly. You know, and it's just this. This is really interesting throughout that they're even like when they're off on like you know like quote unquote side quests right like it's it's still interesting you want to see you know like in this season the you know when Kimiko and and Frenchie go off on their own right still interesting even the stuff with like I got a musical yeah right right even that like it came out of like nowhere right <laughs> it was you so know good. even the stuff with like noir like when he's yeah. by himself is still interesting you know, yes. I don't, I didn't Creepy find myself, fuck. right, but interesting, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, I feel like other Marvel, uh, well, I was going to say Marvel, yeah, but actually, yes, other uh, superhero uh, TV show writers should take a look at this and get some ideas of pacing, especially yes. Yes. for darker tones superheroes this this is a way to do it because yep. it keeps your audience intrigued even when you know you have the quote on even when you have the quote unquote filler parts it's still mm -hmm. interesting because you know it's not you're not interested because you're like i'm gonna need to know this you know for the other side right. you're interested because i'm actually intrigued on where they're going with this right and i think that this season uh not even just this season all of the seasons of the boys have a way of presenting difficult topics presenting multiple plot lines and be able to keep your audience intrigued the entire time pacing is a major problem in superhero tv especially right now it always really has been because let's be real as much as I love the first few seasons of Flash, that could have been 12, 13 episodes, maybe 14 max. We didn't need 25 episodes a season. Season one of Flash probably managed it the best where each episode was impactful, especially building up Barry Allen as a hero. Having those one-offs was actually kind of needed. Right. But as far as the boys, no episode feels wasted. No scene except for the deep feels wasted. <laughs> <laughs> See, like, but that's not a critique to the show that's a critique to the character but that's the point yeah like the, the, the joke is he's useless and pointless like i get exactly. the joke it's just exactly. like yeah we could shave five minutes off we just cut the deep out <laughs> but aside from that like the pacing the characters it all works together yeah. because like you were saying earlier brand it's just well written it's a well-written show and like the story of the boys is not one of my favorites of like all time but the artistry the care that they put into it is what makes it a masterclass in storytelling it's like they have a specific goal a specific endpoint and they're making sure each chapter of this story is impactful 
And so I agree there. Um, I had another point I was about to make, but I forgot it. So we'll circle back to me again later. <laughs> when you remember it, pull it back in. You, you, you were going to remember the part in The Flash where they got they turned into the Power Rangers. Oh, that's so bad. Um, we don't talk about that or the lightsaber fight with uh, Godspeed. <laughs> we're not going to talk about how horrible it was that they destroyed the character of Godspeed that Joshua Williamson created, but we're not going to talk about that. Nope. Um, Godspeed is so amazing. Okay, so um, we didn't get you a Flash show, man. Like uh, we just talk about the Flash every week, not the show, just like the character <laughs> in general. Stop it! I want it. Um, <laughs> but going back to everything here, like what I love about the boys is that if anybody thought, right, that you couldn't take the essence of a book and do it right with no fear. Like, because you got to think about it. There's plenty of reasons why this show shouldn't exist. Right? Like how many times you can think of this, somebody wanted to make this show and somebody said, uh, we can't show butts. Right. We cannot start the show by having someone being mouth raped. Like we can't do this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, there's so much here that you just can't do on a show. But the idea that these creators understood the material, understood what made it work and what made it special, and said, hey, Amazon, we want to make the show, but we got to do it this way. If we don't do it this way, we're not going to do it. And on season three, there's gonna be, it's going to be a porn fest. But we have to do it. It's in the books. So yeah. are you going to let us do it? And Amazon said yes. And now they have one of the most greatest shows ever. And not only that, when you think about the premise of the show – this could have gone so wrong and it could have been done so tasteless. You know what I mean? Like, like even yeah. the, the depravity and the gore that we see, not that I like splattered brains, not that I enjoy Ant-Man going to someone's dick, but <laughs> um, <laughs> there's so many moments and ways that this could have just not worked at all. Right. But it hits all the right notes because it was done right. Someone decided, okay, guys, we're going to throw ourselves off a cliff and we're going to give it our all and we're just going to do it like it's supposed to be done. And people are going to get it or people are not. But at the end of the day, we know that we did it the way it's supposed to be. And that's why it's so great. And mm -hmm. one of the problems that superhero TV or any adaptation, to say the least, has had mm -hmm. forever is that a lot of creators or a lot of people that work adapting things into film are afraid of the source material are right. afraid whether or not are afraid, yeah, are afraid of whether or not the source material will connect with an audience, not with the yeah. audience that knows it with an audience. Right. They're afraid that it's going to alienate people. But then again, you right. got to think about it. There's going to be people that are going to hate the boys, but right. The peop but if you are honest with your message of what it, it is, it's, you know, like, for example, the fact that we knew that Herogasm was going to happen, right? right? I read the books. I read the volume that's called Herogasm. It's really bad. But, <laughs> but the fact that they said, hey, guys, we're doing Herogasm on season three. And then mm -hmm. we had so much warning going into the episode. By the time we get to the episode, we're still like, holy shit, it's Herogasm. But then... The line Everything from the that, deep was so great where he walks in, he's just like, oh my gosh, 
This is Hero Castle. Looks right and then you camera. listen all the moaning. Um, <laughs> but the fact is that we actually see everything. But the fact that we were able to, like, the idea that there was a porn influence episode that was so full of actual story. <laughs> yeah, there was way too much plot in that episode. I really, it, that should have been a skippable one, but it's like, I can't look away because this is important. I hate you. <laughs> but it, but that's, but then again, that's the point, right? Because, I feel so bad for MM in that episode. Poor guy. Yes, that's. <laughs> No, you got to feel bad for Frenchie. He wanted to be there. I mean, I mean, I mean, it was the one episode that instead of MM, he became FM. So <laughs> I. You're going to make Isaac proud with that one. Yes, I am. Oh, it it's, is. <laughs> hey, it's the boys. But um, I lost my train of thought. But that's I, like, what happens like, when you go to Hero Chasm. Exactly. Um, there's a lot of dicks. Um, so, and, and icicle dicks. Um, so, and love sausages. Oh my god! The fact that love sausage makes a comeback was great. Um, I'm gonna. Stop. <laughs> that was the poll I was not expecting. I'm gonna be honest. Yes, really? I was. Yeah, love sausage makes it. Yeah. Um, by the way, love sausage is an actual hero from the books. That's actually friend of the boys, but that's a different story. Like they changed a lot of stuff, but for the better. Um, is any part of the Russian team? Yes. Um, it's called um. The, the five year, the great five year plan, or something like it was a weird. The great, the great sausage. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> bratwurst. Um, so <laughs> I live in Wisconsin. Yeah, a... Don't ruin sausages for me, please. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that's here. It's beer, brats. You know, it's that's and and sausage? cheese curds. That's it. <laughs> um, Russian sausage. Uh, okay, so <laughs> there's a lot of sausages. Um, fried sausage, Canadian sausage. Okay, so, so oh the gosh. boys. The boys. One of, one of boys. my favorite favorite bits is in, in this season. It's just oh, so God. weird. Like, why does Homelander fat shame A Train so much this season? That was just such a weird oh, character well, thing. But, but, like... but because because remember, because you got to think about it. Um, it kind of makes sense because the whole thing. Of, the whole thing about Atrian's stick is that he's an athlete. True. So when an athlete stops working out, what happens? They get fat like, like that. So yeah. Homelander's just being a dick. Like yeah, he, it's just like that is so. Homelander has never had targeted harassment like that before, though. Which is just like he was always a jerk to everybody around him. Right. But he just like right. zeroes in on one specific thing with Atrian. And it's just like, okay, that's strange. Just something right. that you haven't done before. I remember what my point was. If I can, what what go, I go. I, I have another point, but yeah, go go. Okay, so you were talking about how we have character progression through each season, and I agree with you to a point. One thing that annoyed me with season three is that we essentially revert back to the stakes of season one, where the boys are on the outs. They're basically vigilantes. Homelanders in power. We're trying to take him down. We don't have the backing of the government or any other agency anymore. So it's essentially where we left off at the end of the first season. Like, how, how do you guys feel about us kind of going back to back to basics, essentially, after the end of the finale? I actually like that. The reason I actually like that is because it's it goes to the point of explaining 
why Busher did it that way to begin with. Because the mm. system is broken. And the idea that the system, because the system is broken, the system is there to support whatever society is looking for or whatever mm. people's agendas are. So when you have Huey try and do things the right way, the point is you can't do it the right way. It's not possible. So 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 I like the fact that going back to the to, to Butcher's side of things and and Huey try having to come to terms that maybe Butcher's way is the right way, it's because he has no choice, because he has nowhere to run. So I kind of I kind of like that because it's not just going back to square one, but it's also going back to square one because we've opened the door and see how worse it is on the other side. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So I like that reorientation because now it's not just following Butcher's depraved madness. Now we understand why Butcher's depraved madness is kind of the only thing. Makes sense. I got you. I, I, um, I can feel that. I, I can understand that. Yeah, I mean, I, I can kind of see where Mike's coming from. That it's kind of like it feels like we're kind of like trapped in quicksand, right? Like no matter how much you're yeah. trying to move forward, you're kind of stuck in right. the same spot. I, yeah. I do get that. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I actually thought they were going to end this season in a different way. Well, number one, I thought. Home I Lander think we was all thought. Die. That. <laughs> yeah, I, I legitimately thought Homelander was going to die. I was like, this is it. He's going to die. And then, nope, he's still alive. But one of the biggest things that I'm actually right. shocked that that did not happen is I thought they were all going to take Compound B. I've had like a very. Because if you remember, like when they injected Kimiko with the compound V, there was still like a ton left. And so I was that vial like, was full, I swear. Yeah, it was like super full. And I was like, what's going to end up happening is like Homelander, instead of them getting like the temporary fix, they're going to get like the full fix. And then MM is going to realize like the only way he can take out Soldier Boy is he has to become Soldier Boy. Right. And I was like, mm-hmm. I thought that's what was going to happen. If I'm not mistaken, that's what happens in the comics, right? Uh, is they're all like super powered. So, yeah. So, so if if I may, I mean, yeah. I'll finish your point and then I'll go. No, oh no, that was my point. Is I just like I felt I thought that that's how the season was going to end. Is that now they're super powered beings facing off against super other super powered beings, right? Which interestingly enough, it's it's kind of moot point with the argument that the show is trying to make to a degree, right? But but. Here's what I love about this adaptation. And I'm using that term very loosely because mm-hmm. it is not a translation of the book. Um, in the book, you are correct. Um, they, the boys have compound B. But here's the thing. By the time we, introdu- we are introduced to the boys, they've all already taken it. So, so from the get-go, they all have powers um the only one that's introduced to compound v is huey of course because his character is the audience's introduction to that world right so he's the only one that's freshly injected with compound b um that was one of the most surprising takes of eric christie's show because that changes everything (laughs) it changes everything changes the power dynamics the the stakes are so much higher which to me make the show a lot more interesting so the whole so with that, I'm saying Temp V is a show creation. That doesn't exist in the book. It's either Compound V or that's it. 
Um, and the relationship with Compound B for each character is very different. Um, but the idea that Tem V is a thing in the show to me was also brilliant because it also sets the stage for the madness that is to come with the character of William Butcher. Um, it sets the stage to the other decisions that Huey might have to make. So it creates very different power dynamics and, and relationship dynamics um, with what they did. So, but yeah, it, that's how it goes in the books. In the books, they have it from the very beginning here. It's not even a thing. Uh, and it's not even suggested till now, which I think is just, it's just great. Because one of the things that I love about the show is because they've made those changes, they've made it because they want to make, they want you to understand that everything in this world has a price and 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 it's and it's all about juggling whether or not our characters are willing to pay that price which is you know what i mean like every decision that every character has made on the show even the deep has come with severe consequences and a lot of them are just really bad which is why i i I keep going to the argument that the only real hero in this show is none of the boys. The only real hero in this show is Annie because she's the only one. Her and MM are kind of like the only characters that have suffered personal loss to their personal lives by trying to do the right thing. Everybody else is just feeding their ego or feeling or feeding their fear or lack of power. Um, yeah. Which is one of the most interesting conversations. Yeah. Totally, for sure. Like going back to the end of the season three finale, right? Where you have that big fight at Bot, which I just have to say, great, great episode. I I loved also Huey coming to the realization of to back up and support Starlight, you don't have to use the 10th V. You can still support her. You can be the guy in the chair, essentially, is what he was in that moment, the Oracle, right? Right. So, like, I, I love that moment for his character. One thing he that pulled, kind of... he pulled in Izuku is like, I know how her powers work. Let me support her. <laughs> exactly. It, it, it was perfect. Yeah. But one thing that kind of uh, at least semi annoyed me—it's not that big of a deal—but Soldier Boy's character is introduced this season, and he's the only way we have to stop Homelander. Like, there's nothing in this finale ever gives you any hope of defeating Homelander. Because Maeve came kind of close, but let's be real, she didn't deal any significant damage to him that we know of. Like, he might be deaf. They never really made that clear. I don't think he was by the end of the show. So he was just, yeah. So it it was kind of interesting that we didn't kill Soldier Boy. We just put him back on ice. And so... Like, we could have just left him alive to go after Homeland. <laughs> but instead, they fridge him. Do you think he comes back into play next season or the season after? Oh, I, I do. I think that Victoria Newman's going to use him. She's going to, yeah. because you, you, she has like a temporary alliance with Homelander, right? But she knows that he's going to turn on her. And so yeah. I think she's going to get rid of, oh my God, what is her name? Who's the one that currently has Soldier Boy right now? Uh, uh, Malrace. Mallory. Mallory. I think she's gonna because I what I think is gonna happen is that she's gonna kill the person that runs for president, becomes president, takes his power, and then uses Soldier Boy like you know uh, runs experiments on him to get power to like try to 
d d have like basically a security guard check against Homelander if he ever tries to right. do something against her. Yeah. I don't know if Soldier Boy himself will come back, but he definitely will be used for something. He's just the, the one person who can depower anybody, which I think is really interesting. There's not like a V antidote that we're aware of so far. Well, right. I get a feeling that that's going to be the whole thing. Like they're going to use him as the el the the element that will inspire research on depowering heroes. Oh. So he's going to be like that. He's going to he's going to be the airy of or of the, the guys. <laughs> yeah, that's a Thor reference. The God Butcher storyline. If nobody, no, no, you're, it's cool. Which, by the way, <laughs> that idea comes from the boys, but I'm not going to say why. So. <laughs> But, but yeah, like, um, I, I like, I like that. I like that. This show is just so, so good. So good. Um, can we talk about the relationship of Homelander and Butcher and how it's evolved? And, and I, I, I like how, how this is one of the moments where I think Carl Urban has been so significantly awesome in portraying the role of butcher because the idea of butcher is always the idea that he's always a mastermind right and he's fearless because he just cares about his revenge and what he wants to do and the idea that he feels like homelander's equal whenever he's sharing the screen with homelander because homelander or anthony star how he how he plays homelander every room that he's in Everybody's shitting his pants, their pants. But oh, yeah. Butcher is the only one that will look at Homelander in the eye and say, fuck you. Boy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, and he'll just talk about it. And I think one of the best scenes in the entire series is that scene where Homelander and Butcher have that conversation in that apartment right before Butcher pumps himself with 10B for the first time. Like, that is one of the best scenes of the entire show. Where they come to that agreement, where, where if scorch earth, everything fails, just you and I stand and just kill each other. Like, I don't know. I find that to be the most macho conversation ever, but it sounds so cool because um, they're just badasses and horrible people. It's two horrible people being horrible to each other, and just making everybody else pay the price, which is actually what makes these two characters so interesting with their relationships to everybody else because these are the two characters that everybody's expecting them everybody's expecting these characters to fuck them over <laughs> and even when they give them a leeway to not do it they still fuck them over <laughs> mm -hmm. so I, I i like i like that dichotomy and um those parallels and how they were played out this season i think that was great so, so I, I just want to throw this random question out there. We have a character in this show named Mother's Milk. We have Homelanders longing for milk all the time. Is M.M. going to deal the final blow to Homelander? That feels like it's a perfect setup, right? <laughs> it it, it kind of does. It kind of does. Um, <laughs> it's just I, irony. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, if I may, if I may, um, it's interesting how they've they've changed that from the books because the name Mother's Milk meant something. It meant something, I assume. It meant something yeah. very significant Yeah. Um, to M.M.'s storyline in the books. 
Um, that's what I just call him Marvin most of the time in the show. Because it's like, I think, why would he yeah. go by that? <laughs> I think the only one that calls him MM is uh, is Butcher, more than anything. Most so, but yeah, I, I I like that. I like I like how they've moved around certain characteristics of the characters just to feed the storyline they want to say. Um, and also talking about the writing, which I think, um, I knew I was going to say something about this. Oh, I was. The idea that the essence, that was the thought that I lost. Um, okay. The essence of these characters, um, the fact that a lot of people think that it's either one way or the highway or you either do it or you don't. But Eric Kripke has found a way to keep the essence of these characters but then tell whatever story he wants to fucking tell. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people think that following the essence of a character is a box that they're trapping themselves in. But Eric Crickley has found a way to tell whatever story he wants to tell because none, a, a lot of these stories are inspired by the books, but none of them have nothing to do with the books. Like when they go to Russia, that's inspired by five-year plan in the books, but nothing that happens in the books happens there. The little Nina in the show is nothing like the little Nina in the books, which I'm not going to say this because this show is dirty already. So <laughs> I'm not going to make it dirtier. You really but, are going to try and make sure I never get monetized with this episode. Yes. <laughs> um, this is personal mission. Yes. <laughs> um, I secure. Fuck. Um, so, but um, there's there's a lot of like the freedom that you feel in the writing and the storytelling, just so great because, and one of the problems with superhero TV and movies, how many movies have we seen that we go to the film, we watch it and we go like, but that's not the character. Yeah. Like it's happened well, to us yeah. so that, much. I, I, I can tell you. So that's the thing I like about this show. And this is the biggest argument I've had with people is that you can change the story, but still have the essence of the character. My man. <clears throat> Halo. Yeah. Series. TV show. <clears throat> it, yep. you, I'm going to use that as a big example. You, they changed so much of everything. And that's the biggest thing I, I wanted to mention is that you can make a show dark without making it edgy. You know, right. like you, it, and without it being like I'm being edge to be edge, and if I touch this thing, I'm gonna cut myself because there's so much edge going on. You know, and it's, it's it. Th that is how the Halo series is like. We're gonna make it adult, and we're gonna show butts every five, every couple of ep on every episode. You know, and and it's gonna change just because Chief, army men yeah, showered again, right? We're gonna make Master, Master Chief, Chief won't wear his helmet. Master He's going to be Master Cheeks now, you know, and he's, uh, it's like, we're going to change everything. Oh and you know what? We're going to, we're going to have him have sex with this, with this covenant spy while everyone watches. It's so oh weird, you know, like they hashtag Master Cheeks. <laughs> That's... Exactly. They, they changed <laughs> everything. And I was like, why? Why would you do this? You're making him do decisions that, like, I would never see it happen. No, right. and then you take the most intelligent characters and make them the most stupid characters. And this is the thing: is that in this show, though, it's like, yeah, I could see that happening. You know, like it's like, okay, yes, they might be deviating, and he's creating his own story, but he's still being faithful. He's being right. dark, but he's not being edgy. You know, right. and it's. Right. 
it's there's a way to tell the story while mm -hmm. respecting the source material and respecting the fans that have come to love that material and that's the thing that i can definitely props to the show writers props to the directors it, it, prop, props to the actors man like everyone is kind of like on this singular mindset of vision yep yeah yeah right exactly the vision of like we're gonna make this a show that like people want to watch whether you're new to the series whether he, like like mike you know like he they brought him back in you know and it's yeah. like we're gonna find a way we're gonna bring them in kicking and screaming if we have to we're gonna find a way to get you interested in this show whether you're a fan of the the comics whether you're a fan of whatever whether you're a fan if you've watched the animated series but never seen the actual series like we're gonna find a way to get you interested in it. you know whether you've right. seen an ad at carl's jr we're <laughs> we're gonna get you in here <laughs> You know, and it's it's man. Carl's you come for the porn, so... but you stay for the story. <laughs> I come for the lore, essentially, right at this point. No, but like you know, that, oh that's something God. I want to. I'm glad you mentioned that. You, you think about just Amazon's entire approach, right? Like right. we're gonna make right. the boys. We're gonna we're gonna push the heck out of the show. We're going to make an animated series. Like like Isaac said, he's not gonna watch the boys because it's too gory. That he can handle gore in animated form. So now it's like, well, we have no excuse to not watch Diabolical, right? And then right, you have yeah. Invincible, and it's like, oh yeah, we have another animated show, but we're going to turn Invincible into a live-action movie that's going to be coming to, to Prime soon. And it's like, the, I love how slowly Amazon just created their own little pocket universe of superhero content that's vastly yeah. different from Marvel, DC. Yep. It satirizes it, but it also with Invincible pays homage to those characters as well in a certain way. Right. So it's just really, really weird how Amazon kind of carved out their own little superhero universe, essentially. A little but corner. It. A little corner, right? Right. That they are able to sit at the table with Marvel and DC, which is unexpected, but pretty awesome. Yeah. And all they did was not be afraid to trust the material. Yeah. That's all yeah. they did. And like um, from my days back at Revenge of the Fans years ago, um, I, 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 put on my, I put pressure on myself to do a series where literally I discussed this idea of essence. Um, I, I, I took the DCEU and I broke it down and I grabbed major films and talked about how and took key characters and just grabbed an animated film from DCEU, which before... I think in the last six years they kind of dropped the ball, but in 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 the early in between 2000 and 2015, that slate of animated features from the DCU were phenomenal. Like almost every single movie was just great. Everything um, pre fifty New Fifty Two essentially, <laughs> right? And um, I was able to find how a lot of movies like Green Lantern, The Suicide Squad, Man of Steel, how, how a lot of movies miss things because they were afraid to go to the ends of the characters. Um, and, and if you just focus, like for example, one of the greatest thing, one of the, like the idea that green lantern first flight, that, that animated film, it's a perfect green lantern movie. That is, and it introduces, awesome all, it introduces all the major characters. And mm -hmm. do I need it to be a translation into live action? No, but if you're going to, if you're going to introduce a character, 
that is technically an intergalactic space cop. Why would you keep him on Earth throughout the entire film? Because the point is that he's an intergalactic space cop. That he's recruited into the intergalactic space cop. So it's, it's like one of the things that annoyed me with the Thor movies is that like why are we relegated to Midgard all of the time? Take me through the nine realms, please. Which is and you know it's funny that you say that because I actually love that about Thor and Thor the Dark World. Because Thor introduces the whole thing about what makes the character the character. Which is why oh, yeah, I love me, the first Thor. I, I, that's more of a critique, I guess, on the sequels, if, if anything. Right, right, right. So, and then, but then Thor the Dark World starts to venture off into the whole thing about all the different realms from, from, from Yggdrasil, which is the conversation that's teased. And then you get Ragnarok, which is, goes in a completely different direction. Um, which, is, yeah. which is why, personally, I like a lot of people will find this controversial, but my favorite MCU movie is still Thor 1. Or at least from phase one. And that's the Thor that I love. So everything that Chris Hemsworth has done, I respect it, but that's not my Thor. So like a lot of people like the whole comedy stuff. I like the whole high and mighty stuff because I think that's the essence of that character. Like this like is less still Thor and more Chris Ragnarok, Hemsworth. But this is a conversation probably for another episode to dive into that a bit more. Yes. Yeah, but it goes so back to the whole... in another direction. But yeah, yeah, definitely. But it but it all goes to the idea of essence and how this show captures that. Yeah. Right. And like and like you can go and, and, and the idea, which I think is the point when you create an adaptation of anything. Like mm-hmm. the fact that and I think and a perfect example of this is Superman, right? Throughout every single live action adaptation, to a degree, right? No matter how good or bad the movie is, I think that we may have gotten bad Superman films, but we've never had bad Superman actors. Like all the actors in their own way have captured the essence of Clark Kent and Kella. And 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 I think I appreciate that so much. Which which is which takes me to this point. When you watch The Boys, whether it's the book, whether it's the show, or whether it's the animation, everything feels like The Boys. And that is why the essence of the characters or the material is so important. The idea that you have a lot of things with the same name, but they all feel very different, I think that's where you have a problem. Hmm. Unless you're doing like very drastic takes on it on purpose. Um, yeah, like which the is why TM I, and T are vastly different, but that's very intentional because each cartoon is doing its own thing. Right, right. But the core characters, the essence of Michelangelo, the play, like all the key characteristics are there, which I think it's why Joker was so great. Because whether or not we assume that this is the Joker that we know, by the time we get to that final scene in the talk show area, we all see comic book Joker in one way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. We see that reverberate throughout the universe and multiverses mm-hmm. you know i could see that I, I i like i agree that one of the biggest things that the boy shows is a script on how to remain faithful to the adaptation no matter what form it takes but it's still faithful to this original source right yep. and uh whether people love it or hate it for that reason it's still faithful to the original source and yep. This is something that I wish more Hollywood writers would see, is that 
yes. because there's there's always that we need to hollow we need to change it we it needs to be our version and no one's telling you not to make it your version but please don't make it where it's basically this is another you're using you you basically created your own story your own characters and slapped the name of a more popular brand exactly. on top of it to make itself you know yep. like that's the thing is yep. that the boy shows a blueprint on how to change things right change certain even change genders right change of characters change races oh change God. everything to but it still feels faithful to the original character yep. and yep. that's 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 the this is what i hope that uh other creators in hollywood even other creators uh, currently working on series on amazon like lord of the rings uh would look at this and say, see like this is the way to do it yep i, I want to know what's driving like like there has to be a studio head at amazon right that mm -hmm. that is allowing these creators to do these things i wonder if this is just something that you're just giving erin Kripke this freedom but also i want to mm -hmm. know i, I kind of want to watch more amazon shows now because I wonder right. if this same type of freedom, you'll find it in different shows. I mean, a lot of shows in Amazon are super successful. Um, like yeah. now, so, so I wonder if that's related to a studio head over there. So I think um, for the most part, yes, they, they just want to give them creative freedom. Like think about how much money this Lord of the Rings series costs. It makes no sense. It is ridiculous. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a mixture of creative freedom, but also, again, the boy's success is just good writing because it's taking yeah. ideas and concepts from the book. Right. And right. not a lot of people are huge fans of the boys' comic books, so they're taking those themes and ideas and basically reconstructing them and saying, here's a more presentable way, a more digestible way than the hero gets of the comic book. It's still yeah. insane, mm -hmm. but not as nearly as in your face as, as the story in the book right. was. And so I, I feel like it's just trusting your writers, but also I think they have an easier time because you have a Marvel or a DC. And if you're writing Batman, you better bring it because we're going to have problems if you mess up Batman. Whereas right. you, you have more freedom with the boys. Nobody's really going to rage online and demand boycotts if you don't get something right with William Butcher, you know, exactly. or change his accent or the way he speaks. Nobody's going to freak out about it. Oi. So, oi. <laughs> so I, I really yeah. think it's just, again, create having that creative freedom because these are smaller properties. It'll be interesting to see what they do with a, a major franchise like The Lord of the Rings and see how they approach that. It's not the same story as the main Lord of the Rings books, so they probably still have a, a area of freedom there. But yeah, that, that's going to be the big tell where they have a giant franchise. What do they do with it? Yeah. Um, can we, I think we've talked a lot already, um, and, and, uh, um, we're getting ready to start dialing down, but there's one more thing that I wanted to bring in, which I think is very relevant to the conversation of the boys, because one of the most interesting things that, that Eric Kripke and his group of writers have been able to accomplish is not just bring the essence of the boys that we talked about. But how culturally relevant they've made the show. It's 
it's brilliant it's ridiculous and it's just so great um the it's whole thing with Aquaman, chilling right there <laughs> yeah the whole thing with aquaman the whole thing with the dawn of the seven like we know that's a whole comment on the snyder cut like that's literally what it is like the guy talking at, like, like like there's so much commentary that's just i don't know it, it's just brilliant and the fact that they t- like the whole thing about the penis and the small person and the person blowing up, that's literally everybody talking about Ant Man going up Thanos' ass. Like, 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 like the fact that they took the time to make a lot of these, even moments like that that are supposed to be weird and hilarious, they're literally commenting or having the conversation that all of us has. The fact that all these writers have their ear to the ground, it's just crazy and, and surprising. Um, also, and, um, like, can we just talk about the VOT Twitter account and how gold it wow. is at helping so, promote this show? <laughs> wow, it was so great. The fact that we had like news moments like throughout the break, yes, commenting on situations and the, the whole official thing was... statement on Homelander and, and Starlight, <laughs> yes, 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 so great. It's great. It's great because they they understand that they they understand that to talk about the sh- to make the show more impactful, um, and to get into all the conversations that they want to have, they have to make it as real as possible. And the fact that they're they're doing it is just great. I want to go to Vodaverger. <laughs> it's gonna have some some sausage in it though, man. You gotta be careful. Damn. A BLM, BLT. <laughs> An awesome. FM shake. Um, so, <laughs> this is so bad. This is so great. Um, guys, do you guys have anything else you guys want to bring to the table um, from the boys before we start wrapping up? I... I'm good. I think we've said all that needs to be said on the boys. Can't wait for season four. I binged it. I don't know what season we're on. Season four. This season, this is, season four is what's coming. Do we? Okay. How many seasons? I do want to ask this. How many? How many? How many more seasons do you think we have left? I, I I guess I'll I'll go right quick. Um, I think one because one we added the ticking clock to to butcher, so mm-hmm. I can't see it going after he dies. Um, but also, like I said earlier in the episode, we rebooted essentially and we're back to square one. I don't know if they can stretch this out to be two, three more seasons again because we're basically back to where we were. And having to see them grow and progress from that again might be a little tiresome. So I think you bring them back and then you end it in the next season. It's only like eight episodes, so maybe a season or two, I would say. Cool. 16 episodes. I agree with Mike. What do you think, Adam? I disagree. I think they could do two to three seasons depending on how they play their cards. And I'll say why. Um, So the next season, we obviously know that they're going to be focusing on Homelander's newfound freedom that he can do what he wants, right? And Victoria Newman rise to power and, you know, Butcher's ticking clock thing. But they could fix Butcher's situation by giving him compound food. And then now he's he's just going to stay alive. You know, um, as for, I think 
it's incredibly suspicious that the character that Juan Carlos Esposito plays just kind of disappears into the background, despite the fact that he's constantly standing up to Homelander. He, that you he gives the sense of like he has all the cards on the table and no one else knows. You know, like he has all he has all the cards. I I don't see a character like that just accepting defeat and disappearing quietly. There's oh, that's a good point. Stan might have to come back with a vengeance. <laughs> the other the other thing is that they're kind of setting up this um this in the at the end of the episode they kind of present Soldier Boy as the result of Russia's fault, right? Like it's his fault that he he was a Russian sleeper agent, right? And I feel right. like that. They, if they do do that, they could potentially lead that to, you know, American heroes versus other heroes from other countries. And that could yes. be its own thing. Yes. So that has the potential to lead to several other seasons, if depending on where they go with stuff. It's funny that you say that. Because that makes me think about the whole thing about Vought's goal from the very beginning. Right. They wanted soldiers, is, not heroes. They want so they want superheroes in the military. Right. So these comments against Russia could lead to a global conflict, which mm -hmm. could just make this even worse. You mm -hmm. know? Um I don't know. That sounds super interesting. I like so, I, I want oh, I want yeah. both of your thoughts to be what we get. Like an amalgamation, give it all. <laughs> I want yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like everything Adam said could just be the plot line of the next season. Yeah, and it is true. It is the final season. <laughs> so I feel like it, you can't get is. that like amalgam. It, yeah, it, because it's, to it's totally true. They could, but like I feel like it's like, does Amazon want to walk away from this like cash cow? You know, and it's like they could they could like this season, like like you said, Mike, could basically have been like leave Soldier Boy where he was. <laughs> and then, like, you know, just fight Homelander. There you go. End of roll yeah. threads. But like, they you could have wrapped the entire story it. up. Sorry. Right. No, but they found a way to stretch it and still make it entertaining. So I feel like they could if they wanted to. Yeah. It like it's just really funny to me that you could have wrapped this entire story up if you just got everybody to get Ryan out and let Soldier Boy go ham on Homelander. It's that simple. But that's not how they wrote it. So it's that's funny true. that you say it's funny what you guys are saying because it makes me think like every single episode, every single season has been eight episodes. So every single season has been very tight in terms of length, mm -hmm. in terms of the story, the beats they want to do. But, All killer, no filler. Right. But I, 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 I the reason I, I go with Mike on the length of how the show can go is not because I disagree with you, Adam, necessarily. It's mainly because I know Kripke. And and now that I know Kripke, I, I don't have his text. Dude, you know. no way. You know him? You, 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 like, no. you, you imagine you, like my contact is the eggplant with the cape? Um, you, you hung out with him yesterday. It's all good. Yeah, right? <laughs> but can you, can reason... you get me on the show? I want to can't. I, you know, Maeve can kill me. I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> Honestly, I'd die a happy man. One-eyed Maeve. It's like Mad-Eye Moody. Oh, Mad-Eye Maeve. Um... When she talks about the glass eye, like the Sammy Davis, that's funny. Um, yeah. But the reason, the reason I, the, what I mean by that, I know Kripke is that for those that know or those that don't know, what make Kripke one of the biggest names in town when it comes to show running is that he's the creator of Supernatural. 
which is where Jensen Ankles from, which is why they pulled him. But the whole thing about Supernatural is that is that for the longest time, Kripke's original intention was that to end with season five. He had a clear plan. He had a clear start and finish. This was supposed to end in season five with the apocalypse and everything, blah, blah, blah. And that's where you end everything. I think because CW or WB or whatever the show the channel was wanted more, that that's why he kept coming back for more because, of course, the paychecks. But that wasn't his intention. And I think it was after season nine, I think, that he left the show. I think it was something like that. I don't think he did all the seasons, I think. So seeing that that's how he sees story, he does see everything with the beginning, middle, and end. I wouldn't be surprised is if he planned this out originally as a four to five season show. Like he does want it to have a clear point and end. And a lot of the stuff that he's been constructing, especially as as season three ends, because season three, because one of the things I was talking to Mike off air, um, I thought we were going to finish the pod. I mean, uh, <laughs> one of the things I was talking with Mike off air um, a little bit ago today was that season three ends, first of all, there's no real body count, which is a big surprise, right? Yeah. Like everybody ends in a different place, but there's no real body count. But this season ends like a setup. Like it's setting up what the next phase is going to be. As a, it, it, this was like an Infinity War kind of ending, as opposed to an Endgame ending where there is a clear-cut ending to the story. Like, this is just setting up what's coming up. So, like, the next seasons can be bigger, bolder, and uncut. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's been always uncut. But um, but I, I kind of have a feeling that, that Kripke is planning to keep this nice and tight and, and short, but also because he knows what he wants to say, he's going to say it, and that's it. And not overstate his welcome. Because just like this show was great because they dug deep into the source material and carried the essence, there's going to be a moment where after if it can really overstate its welcome. Right. And, and I wouldn't want that, especially with how great everything's been. And I, would, I wouldn't be surprised that Cricky wouldn't want that either. And I just see him because he's done yeah. it before. I, I think that's that's one of my biggest things, right? By by not progressing the characters forward and instead kind of resetting us back to, I guess, the heart of what this show was originally, it's it you run to that thing of how far can we push it before it becomes tired or stale? And I think you only mm. have one or two more seasons to, to really pull that off before it becomes a little great. Especially, like, I feel like you set up, it all ends when you, they take out Homelander. I feel like that's roughly the idea. So even if you take out or kill Homelander at the mid-season point, you only have, yeah, you can probably only stretch that out a few more episodes with the way the show is going. You can always have, add a wrinkle or a twist in there that say, hey, we can, we have a new villain that rose to power and they have to deal with that or they still have to take down Bot. But I feel like Homelander as a villain, as a main antagonist, has probably reached a point where there's not much more they can do with them. At least that's where I'm coming from, at least. With Homelander, yes. I feel like I, I kind of go back to, I don't know, man. It's just that character seems like the, the one that Juan Carlos, I, I feel like he's not going to come into play until much later. But I fe- he has like this feeling of the man with all the cards and no one sees it yet, you know? And what I feel like is like what makes us think that he's the only Homelander? 
you know, that's, that's, you know, there's, he, or even if they don't do Homelander, there's like a bigger threat somewhere else than what the, I was like, (laughs) I thought Isaac jumped in for a quick minute. I was like, what? I'm I'm, (laughs) I'm playing, I'm playing the, I'm playing the Isaac card where I'm like, no comment. I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) But, you know, uh, I have this, my feeling is that Homelander isn't the technical end. I feel like what's going to be the end is the end of Vought. Vought is the bigger enemy than Homelander is because Vought is the one that creates all the soups. Vought doesn't want... um, In reality, the end of Homelander is like the best thing that could happen for Vought because they don't want heroes anymore. They want soldiers. They want superpowered beings in the army and i feel like that's the bigger threat when they start having to fight people who are you know with picture homelander but with military combat you know that's crazy i feel like they the quote-unquote big indie is is the boy the boys bringing in to vaught oh yeah definitely like I, yeah. I really like that idea especially you mentioned stan edgar earlier right his whole right. thing was i don't need superheroes anymore they're too hard to control. Temporary super soldiers is what he wanted to push before you know he got pushed out of the company. So if they can right. find a way to get him back integrated in the story or somebody else at Vought rises to that position, that is a very scary thought of, one, you're going to be killing, the, killing these soldiers because you can only use mm-hmm. Temp V three to five times, or they perfect it and they have an army of super soldiers. Either outcome is terrifying. The other thing is that Homelander, despite being the big bully, kind of holds back. You know, Stanander doesn't. <laughs> you know, you you have a you have someone who because Homelander wants to be loved, right? So he kind of he like he doesn't you know kill Butcher William Butcher as much as he wants to, right? <laughs> he, he because he he doesn't kill Starlight. He doesn't kill certain people. Yes, he does kill certain people, but you have someone like Stan Edgar that isn't afraid to double cross he even double crossed soldier boy is willing to double cross you know he's you were talking earlier about that only you know butcher is willing to stand up to homelander but edgar talks to him ugly degradingly to his face it's kind of like he talks to him like he's a man child (laughs) and it's interesting i feel like you wouldn't do that unless you have some kind of card up your sleeve He's there's he gets his confidence from somewhere, and that he's not even mad when Victoria Newman <laughs> betrays him. He's like, no, he's like that. That's about right, <laughs> you know. And so I feel not that he'll be the big bad, but he will cause the big right anticlimactic battle that the boys will end up facing. And I this big theory out there is that um, some of them will die. I- and I oh, feel yeah. like that's that's how you keep the story going without people being. You kind of suddenly get games up Game of Thrones on it and start killing main characters. And that's that's yeah. how you get people back into it. For for every Superman, there's a Doomsday, right? So I wouldn't right. be surprised if if something like that comes to play. For every Superman, there's a Lex Luthor. That too. Right. Yeah, which is yeah, kind no, of like, which yeah. is funny because. 
you're putting Stan Edgar in this big podium, which is which is actually brilliant the way you explained it, because it makes me think. Because that's the kind of which you kind you kind of lose that here, but when mm-hmm. you go to the background of everything, you got to think about it. What is Stan Edgar in comparison to everybody else in the show? He's a businessman, right? And he's got the best voice in Hollywood. He, apart from that, <laughs> he's he 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 makes products right. that he has to sell. Right. So when he talks to Hornlander, he's talking to a product, not a person. And he's a failed That's product. Mm. And and the idea and, and the idea that it's it's all about the company. He he is a businessman through and through. That's why he's fearless. That's why, like he saw everything that Victoria Newman did as a business tactic, which is why he took it the way he did. Mm. It was just another day in the another day in the job and that's why it makes him so frightening so interesting and so because he just makes business decision after business decision and that what makes that character so interesting and and the idea and also the fact that the superheroes that we've created are just a product they're not real persons bot created a product it's called homelander and they're doing everything they can to sell it just because their end is to sell their own product to the to the to the military it's all about selling the product and making money which is why bot is the symbol of capitalism which i i, I kind of find it interesting how this show veers away from that in season three but i like the idea of going back into that in a different way as we go into the war machine and and that whole thing if if they do start all that up now with whole russia damn it adam you made me think that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm I great. love it. I love it. I love it. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot that I want to talk about, but it's because I've known, I know about the book, so I can't say it. If may, maybe I'll say it off air if you guys want to hear it. But um, we can revisit great- this on air in a year or two when season four comes out. <laughs> yes. So, guys, we've talked to boys. We've talked it to death. It's one of the longest Shatter After episodes that we've done. But it's been a blast, guys. Um, thank you for taking the time to talk to boys. Can't wait to do this again when season four comes out. Um, let's do a couple of plugs and let's head home. Sounds good, guys? Sounds good. Mr. Adam, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at The Voice. No, I'm just kidding. You can find me on Twitter at Anime Gaming Lift. <laughs> and thanks for having me. Awesome. You can find me at the flying eggplant. No, I'm kidding. Um, you can find me at the Scarlet Fan 52 on Twitter and at the Scarlet Fan 52 on Instagram. Mr. Novice, where can we find you, man? You can find me at Emblemaniac on Twitter. And <laughs> you can find me at Novice Cinephile everywhere else. You can find me on TikTok. <laughs> YouTube and my blog noviceinfile.com. Out of nowhere, Embla- um, Isaac is going to start receiving comments about the boys, and it's going to be yeah. all Isaac. It's going to be all Mike's fault. You can also find yes. me at Mad Doc Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> nice, well done. Yes, and yeah, you guys can find me, of course, here on almost every episode of the Chatter After and the Amateur Otaku Podcast, where we're talking yep. anime 
all the live long day. We are about to do an episode on Parasite the Maxim, which is really fun. And we just wrapped up Spy Family over there. Sweet. And uh, the podcast, you can find it at the Chat After on Twitter. Guys, stay cool, keep watching movies, and stay awesome. Peace. Plus Ultra.